I think it's a one, it's a moving target, that's for sure. You want to get to your different net worth level, you know, oh, I'll be comfortable at this net worth, or I'll be comfortable with this many units, or I'll be comfortable with this big of a business. But I think for me, that it's a moving target. And also, it's just starting to do more things I love. So, you know, more focused on the capital raising piece, more focused on not just putting deals together, just more focused on getting my money and my investors and more and more people into real estate. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Brian Wagers from Wagers Capital, and he is a returning guest. He's been on the show before, and he spoke for one of our monthly webinars that we hold for listeners just like you to come and join us every second Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Look forward to seeing you on our next one. He did a great job on that presentation, gave a lot of actionable information. Now he's back on the show to teach us about a pivot in his business, a change that he's making in his real estate investing business. He's only 30 years old and he's done a pretty considerable amount of real estate deals. Now he's specializing a little bit more. We're talking about lessons that he's learned along the way, how he handles networking events and educational events to really use those to his advantage rather than get kind of caught up in, in some of the madness of those events. And then we also talk about the prospect of, of retiring early, right? As I said, he's 30 years old and, you know, he's done a lot of real estate deals so much so that, you know, I know a lot of folks who talk about, hey, if I got to that point, I would retire. I would go live on my passive cash flow. We talk about what he's thinking at this time, what his future prospects may be and why retiring early might not be the way to go and might not be the way you go once you hit your financial goals, once you hit your fire number, you might decide, hey, I'm gonna keep going. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But we talk about his logic and what the future might be there. So a lot of great stuff, a lot of knowledge and wisdom coming from a guy who's done it and achieved quite a bit. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, do look us up and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you enjoy the show, please do spread the love and share it with someone you know and help them grow their wealth outside of Wall Street. Once again, our guest today is Brian Wagers from Wagers Capital. A lot of wisdom and knowledge from an established and experienced real estate investor here. So without any further ado, here we go. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Taylor. Oh man, it's great talking with you. We've been on the line for a little over an hour here already and the time's flying by. I thought we got to get some of this on tape. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, so I am a commercial real estate syndicator with a specific on apartments. So 
Um, I've bought almost 500 units just myself and um, my father-in-law as a partner, as a capital partner. And in the past year or so, I've actually scaled into the syndication versus a joint venture space. And that has been quite a ride. You know, I've more than doubled that 500. You know, I've been involved in over a thousand units now in that year frame. So um, I've done joint ventures, I've done syndications, and it's all been around multifamily value add, multifamily. So yeah, that's what I do. And that's what I've been doing for the past five years. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, we're, sounds like you're, you're really uh, evolving your business and, you know, you've, as you kind of implied, you've been on the show before and you actually spoke at one of our uh, monthly webinars. And I think uh, our guests, people who joined in got a lot of uh, great information, actionable information out of that time together. Can you walk us through, you know, kind of getting started and then realizing maybe having a realization that you were going to pivot slash specialize in a different area in your investing business? Yeah. So getting started was me having my single family home and I knew I wanted to scale faster than that. So multifamily was the avenue for me. You know, I talked more about that on our last episode about the beginnings and but yeah, so the, from that first single family went into a 12 unit because I wanted the scalability and I wanted to continue to grow faster. And so for the 12 units, it evolved into that almost 500 units. And that was me putting together the deal, putting together the lending, putting together insurance, setting up vendors, setting up property management, um, really all asset, all facets of the active piece besides the equity piece. You know, I wasn't in a position to put my own equity in there. You know, that's where at first my girlfriend's dad, now father-in-law, was uh, playing the role of the equity piece. So, you know, in a syndication or a lot of commercial real estate deals, the active investors get 20 to 25% of the deal and the equity gets 80, 75% of the deal. And for me, I was in that first phase, I am the 20 to that whole 20 to 25. So like I mentioned with the vendors and I'm putting together, I'm, do, I'm doing all the active roles. So I'd say about a year and a half ago, so about three and a half years into just doing these deals in my backyard, you know, so for me, I got started in my backyard. Um, that was where it made sense to me. I could talk to brokers. I could go talk to local banks. You know, I had a lot more control on that aspect. So, you know, I was doing the 50 unit deals, a couple of uh, an 82 unit deal, 79 unit deal. And before that, I knew I wanted to continue to scale. I was going to have to start doing these deals above 100 units. You know, there's only so many units. Everyone I listen to on podcasts eventually evolves into that phase. You know, for me, I knew it was somewhere I had to go. And I'm in Arkansas, I'm in Northwest Arkansas. I know that there's only so many, so many apartments in my backyard. So I know I wasn't thinking about that going in, but, you know, three years in, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I've actually made some offers on some of these apartment deals before I've seen again. You know, now five years in my backyard, I think I've made just about an offer on every apartment complex within a hundred mile radius more than once. You know, so I think when I was starting to get those brought to me, I knew I had to start looking. So we talked a little bit about meetups. I, I was going to Michael Blanc in particular. He has a good meetup. And then now Hunter Thompson and looking for a uh, operating partners. So I knew I had, if I wanted to go into a different market, I was probably going to have to partner up to, con to continue to partner up. And I was looking for good operators in markets that I understood, uh, markets that I liked. 
and more, you know, specifically operators that I trusted and saw their track record. So that was the phase that I knew if I was going to work with another operator, I was probably going to have to pick something to focus on, you know, as far as what aspect of that whole active partnership. And for me, that was focusing on capital raising. You know, I liked talking to investors. I was an investor myself and a lot of my own deals, you know, when I built up that 500 portfolio, I have 50 of those units. I, it was just 100% me. You know, the other 450, me and my father-in-law, but 50 of those, I was on myself. So I could kind of speak from them building up that equity and wanting to place it somewhere. So I started to realize that I wanted to focus on the capital raising piece and uh, talk to investors. And I think with the operators in different markets, they would have a better handle on property management close to them, or they would have a better handle on the locality of the deal. So for me, it just made sense to be focusing on the capital raising piece. Okay. Okay. So a number of things in there, and we've talked about how you you attend these various events and you have you know for years. And I think one of the things that most of us observe who go to these events pretty consistently is that not a lot of people turn that education into action or results. And, and you're, you're one of the people that has done that. If that is indeed your, your observation of other people, if you agree, what do you think separates, you know, you, your results and actions from others who, you know, never make it happen? Yeah. I think the action part of it, you know, I, I'm, I'm still a student when it comes into those comes to these events and it's, it's just about getting, when I'm going into it, I think going into it, I have to have the mindset of, what actionable items am I going to leave this place with? What am I going? To? So going in, I'm looking and listening for things that I'm going to take out of the event and place action into. So going in, I've got a mindset of what kind of things can I implement in my business? What kind of ideas? How are my investors thinking? How are operators thinking? What are they doing in the market? And then going out and on my flight home or on my way home, I'm already writing down, okay, what am I going to do on Monday? I'm you know, writing this list of everything that I need to start implementing the next week and not, not just taking back on the airplane. Oh, that was a good event. You know, <laughs> you know, that, that was great. I learned a couple of things. I can tell people I went to it, but that's just the first step. You know, I think actually being purposeful on what kind of actions I'm going to take out of those events, out of things I'm listening to on podcasts. Yes. You know, it's great to listen to podcasts all the time, you know, trying to implement different ones, um, audiobooks. We talked about audiobooks too before, um, I think are great too, to always be refreshing it. But having that intent of not just being a consumer of knowledge, but start producing too. Go in with it to consume and to soak up, but have the intent of you placing action on it. So a lot of events, especially ones that are a little less maybe specific or, or tailored to a particular um, aspect will have your speakers basically, you know, selling a program, run to the back of the room. And, you know, this, this program is going to cost you almost nothing. Turns out it doesn't cost nothing. Then it's going to turn you into a multi-bajillionaire and it's really just a, a sales event. And I guess, how do you, I mean, presumably you, uh, avoid that impulse and you go for the quality content rather than the, the sales pitch. I mean, how do you kind of, uh, you know, separate those things out and look for the real actionable information? Yeah. I think you're bound to go to one one or two of those, or it might happen even at some reputable events. But I think it's best to try to do do like just like you're doing due diligence on an op 
operator or a deal doing due diligence on the event and on the speakers who what kind of speakers do they have lined up what what are they talking about dive into that content you might i mean they are in it to to make some money but i think you know don't focus on that part just focus and and some might they might specifically just are back of the event deals you know so try to go to ones where you can find testimonials or find ones of hosts that you trust and hosts that you are already consuming their knowledge you know i wouldn't just go to an event willy-nilly like the first time you hear so i think the first step is reading books if they're an author that's probably a good start too if they've written some good books they have their own podcast that's probably a good indicator too you know and are those podcasts are you getting a lot of value add or is it fluff or is it you know good solid actionable items that you can take in. So I, I would say maybe read their books or listen to their content first before you, you know, take that time and money to go invest that into an, a live event or virtual event nowadays. Get to understand that person's like reputation, what they talk about and, you know, learn more about them. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now you mentioned, um, you know, a couple of times too, that you go to local networking events to to meet other investors. And I think that's where I kind of see a lot of this type of thing the most. Local RIAs tend to be, frankly, a lot of times a pitch session, but there can be networking opportunities. You know, and in that particular case, when it's not like a specific event, you know, national event that you fly to, you know, for whatever purpose. Do you see that a lot? And and I guess what's your your focus there? Because a lot of time, a lot of times those networking events are there might not be information that's really directly relatable to your business because maybe they're talking about you know, flipping or something like that. I mean, how, how do you work with those events in particular? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good point. You know, for me, my local events were a lot of single family. Like when I went there, they were all, they loved single family. That's what they talk about. They talk about flips, wholesaling, how do I get started and single family rentals. So, I mean, at, at those meet, local meetups, I was the apartment guy. I was, a, you know, there was maybe one or two other commercial real estate people, but I was the, the apartment guy in my specific thing. So I wasn't trying to impose my apartment, you know, hey, everybody needs to be investing in apartments because there's some, a lot of people, they do want to be active. They want to make a business out of flipping homes or they want to be a whole, they want to be a wholesaler or Maybe they're realtors. They're trying to, you know, a lot of times realtors will go to that event to hopefully meet leads of fixers, flippers, or investors and being their dealer. But I think it's what you make of it and how you hold yourself. And and you do have that risk of, okay, I just went to an event and it was just a big sales pitch, you know, but I'm on to the next one. So it's like, okay, yes, you, you might have to get through a couple meetups to find a good couple meetups that you actually like too. So that is part of the process. It may depend on what city you're into. Some cities have a lot more than, than other cities too. Some cities only have a couple. And that's something I've been playing around with now too, is there's no commercial meetup in, in my area. So maybe that's something I could uh, start myself is, you know, you know, apartment one or just a more general commercial real estate one. Go for it, man. I started mine a few years ago, you know, well before COVID and COVID kind of threw a monkey wrench in those works, but yeah, definitely encourage, uh, encourage that you do that. And, you know, I want to definitely touch on the topic of time management. I was on a conversation uh, with an investor last night who's looking to scale their real estate investments or really get more you know cash flow out of their portfolio. But 
they're they're strapped for time, right? And and we all have the same 24 hours in the day. We uh, you know many people have different levels of family commitments, personal commitments, maybe a very busy day job. And and how do you how do you handle that for yourself? You know, just managing your time. There's a lot going on that you've got your hands in a lot of uh, a lot of pots here. So how do you handle your time commitments? I think the number one thing is discipline. You know, having a schedule, having a routine is huge. I mean, look at everyone who's really doing well in commercial real estate and doing well in life. Routines are big and having the discipline to follow that schedule or that, you know, regime where you're where you're getting things knocked out. Starting early for me, I'm a I'm a like I found out that I works best for me to wake up at 4 a.m. every day. Some people don't, some people would like, you know, that would kill them to do that, but they wouldn't mind staying up till 2 a.m. I don't drink, but if I stayed up till like 1 a.m., I would be hungover. I would like my body, <laughs> like me and my wife will sleep, stay up sometimes. And it's like, it, almost like a different feeling. Same thing if someone got up early, you know, they're strut, you know, they're, they're, they're physically not there, but it's a process too. To, so you have to stick with the schedule and you have to, do it for more than a couple of weeks. It'll take time for your body to adjust to a schedule and a regime. And I think that's big. And, and another aspect of time management is delegation. You know, we talked about Hunter before, but he gifted me the book, uh, Who Not How. So it's it's who, not how. how. Not how you're going to do it, but who you're going to do it with. And that is a big, as far as mindset thing goes, you know, I might be able to do it for a couple bucks cheaper, but is it really going to be you know, for my growth purposes, or is it going to be for my mental health growth purposes? You know, am I going to be able to think, you know, have to be able to think about that vision? You know, we talked about that before too, about being able to free yourself from those lower level tasks or even tasks that that you mentioned, not necessarily lower level or tasks that you just don't love doing. So I think, you know, getting excited about that, but those who are just starting in your business or your area, you know, that you might have to, you know, be really focused on that discipline to do those tasks that you may not necessarily like, at least when you're getting the ground running and it'll happen. But, you know, for me, it's having the disciplined schedule, having the schedule and being disciplined about it. And then also, you know, how am I going to delegate or who am I going to partner up with? So how often would you say no to things? People say, hey, there, Brian, there's this thing, da, 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 whatever. And you say no, right? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, you want to be a yes man, but honestly, my life kind of changed when I, you know, started saying no to things. You know, for me, it was just giving up drinking. You know, I haven't drank since I got about four years ago. Wow, it wasn't like I wasn't a guy who's drinking every day, or you know, have some moment where I wrecked into a school bus or something like that. It was just not serving me, and it was just you know, it was taking time and. That was something I had to stop, you know, hey, you want to go out after work for a couple of beers or, hey, you want to go out this weekend? And then it's just like a lot of no, like you lose some friends, you know, you don't have to like shut people off. You might change circles or your circle might get a little bit smaller when you start saying no, or you might lose some people. But you know, I still stay in touch with my old friends and everything. It's just maybe not hanging out with them as much anymore. But saying no to things is a big part of, you know, growth and, you know, especially on that side. Really focusing on your, your long-term goals over, you know, short-term stuff is, is very important. Now you're a young guy, you're, you're 30 years old. You've done all of these real estate deals. At what point do you start thinking about, 
hanging up the cleats and retiring? And if so, you know, why? If not, why not? You got a lot of life ahead of you, right? And and I know there are a lot of people out there who are in their 50s and 60s that would love to be in that position, but, you know, aren't for whatever reason, you know, if you could do that, you know, should you, would that be a, a wise decision? Yeah. I love that. And that, like hanging up your cleats because it paints such a big picture. You know, a lot of athletes, sometimes they'll have trouble hanging up the cleats. Look at Tom Brady. He's been around <laughs> forever and he still loves doing it and he's still really good at it. But then you also look at guys like uh, Tony Romo, who had a great NFL career and not as good as Tom Brady's, but then he became a broadcast analyst, you know, so he pivoted. He's still in the same industry. He's still in NFL professional football, but now he's an analyst and now he's a broadcaster. I think it's a one, it's a moving target. That's for sure. You want to get to your different net worth level, you know, I'll be comfortable at this net worth, or I'll be comfortable with this many units, or I'll be comfortable with this big of a business. But I think for me, that it's a moving target. And also it's just starting to do more things I love. So, you know, more focused on the capital raising piece, more focused on not just putting deals together, just more focused on getting my money and my investors and more and more people into real estate that should be in real estate, especially the high net worth people. And those high net worth people I'm talking to, you know, they have the same problems of hanging up the cleat, you know, that, but a lot of times I hear them talk about selling their business or selling a portion of their business where they're maybe an advisor on their board or, you know, they they play a part, still play a small part in their business, but more focus on things they like, not so much the lower level. But it sounds like you don't really see yourself retiring at 35. I guess it depends what you mean retiring means, but yeah, I, I would say no. Now retirement at 35, I would say maybe it looks, you know, the business might look different, you know. So for example, right now I'm raising money on a 236 unit deal, but I also have a 20 unit deal and a 72 unit deal under contract in my backyard where, you know, or one's two hours away, one's 30 minutes away. And that's just with me and, and my father-in-law. And then the 236 unit deal, I've got six or seven other investors on that, but I'm just a capital raising piece. So for me, I think there'll be a part time where maybe I'm not doing these smaller deals, you know, but I, at this time for the next five years, I still see myself maybe less than that. Honestly, I see myself faster and faster pivoting to the, the larger deal approach and more focus on that, that capital raising piece. Interesting. Okay. So I, I suppose for my purposes, the way I would think about a quote retirement would be to just live on passive cash flow. You're not doing things actively yeah, in any way to make money anymore. You're just living off of portfolio income, you know, from one way or another. Maybe 50, 50, 50 or so. Yeah. I'd say 50 or so. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends what I look like when I'm 50 or 60. I don't know. I, I think, yeah, we'll see. Talk to me in five and, and that might change in five years. Maybe I will want to sooner or late. Maybe I will want to later. Well, you know, uh, once you get the Ferrari, you know, let me know and, uh, we'll come down and take a ride. So. Yeah. Awesome. Come well, down anytime, man. Awesome. I, I, I might take you up on that, especially once you have the Ferrari. But you know, you might not want to might not want to put those pictures on Instagram. I think people don't love uh, don't love. Yeah, that. it's not quite the marketing tool I think it used to be. I don't know. It depends what industry. Maybe in the crypto field now, <laughs> somewhere quicker. If you're selling a, a a scam coin, then it might be a yeah. better uh, marketing tool. But if you're selling real investment opportunities, people might not love to see that. Yeah, people know authenticity 
between now and so I think that's an important part in business and in life. People, you know, especially now that I'm looking at the capital raising piece, you know, the big thing too is being authentic to who you are. Nice, nice. I love it. Well, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Brian, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show, but you've been on the show before. You've answered those questions. So I've got three new ones for our returning guests. Are you ready to go? Go. Awesome. And this is in the along the lines of education, really, and a lot of what we've talked about today. First couple are related to books. What's your favorite book to read for personal reasons, personal enjoyment? Personal, uh, Think and Grow Rich is one that I always go back to. I also like The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Mm, okay. I think I have that one on audiobook. How about on the other side of that? You know, this is pretty related to that, but what's your favorite book to read for business reasons? Your favorite business book? Business book, I would have to say Who Not How is is the one that I just got done reading. And I really like uh, the principles behind that and how it applies to business and you know, partnering and delegating and, and really get into a position of, of growth in a position, not only where you're growing, but where you want to be in that growth. Nice. Nice. How about last one? Where is the next place that you're going, the next place that you're excited to travel to? I'm going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, less than two weeks. So one of my my friend is getting married and he's also not a big drinker. So we are doing uh, going to the, the number one resort in North America, and that is uh, Jackson Hole Resort. So we'll be going out there, staying in the Teton Village. And it's been a while since I've skied. I used to ski all the time as a team, but it's been about five years. So we'll see if I still got it. <laughs> a little sore, but I'm excited for that. Never been really out west. So that's a fun one that's, that's coming up. Nice, nice. Well, be careful, stay safe, and uh, you know, come back home in, in one piece. And Brian, it's been great talking with you uh, once again. Thank you for coming back on the show. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah, so we're just finishing up uh, an ebook right now. Uh, you can get it at wagerscapital.com slash book. I'm really looking at comparing multifamily to the stock market and traditional ways of retirement, kind of a case study on that and 
a little bit more about multifamily. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for uh, coming back on the show today. It's been great talking with you. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I say this every time and I mean it every single time. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.